So, did that title in, induce anybody to come? <laughs> or is it just nice when you get here? Wow. Somebody really believes it. I've always known it's always about, it's really about me. So, yeah, that's uh, interesting. But really, it is all about you, isn't it? Uh, that may be a little difficult for some people to admit all the time, but to most of us, we generally feel, at least subconsciously, maybe not always consciously, but at least subconsciously, we feel that it's, it's all about me. Um, and that kind of causes us some uh, dilemmas in relating with our fellow living entities. Uh, for instance, uh, when I go around, you know, sometimes I, oftentimes I go out incognito, I dress uh, in street clothing and go to the park and different places, you know, sit in the park, I'll walk and sometimes I'll sit down and rest, but I like to listen to people. I, I love people watching. Uh, you get a lot of that when you travel in airports because sometimes you get a long layover and so you're in a room with several people and uh, <clears throat> they're all waiting for their flight just like you are, so you get to observe. So one thing that I notice about folks, uh, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody or embarrass or criticize or be judgmental. I am being judgmental. I have a right to have up for judgment, don't I? When did that become a crime to be judgmental? Huh? I mean, it's either, let me give you, for instance, does anybody think it's too warm in here? Well, then you're being judgmental. <laughs> you just passed judgment. This is another fine mess you've got. In you know, is it? Is there enough salt in the soup? Is it too hot outside? So, we have a right to make some judgment, don't we? I like this, or I don't like this. So it's not a sin, unless you just mean to be nasty. So. But without being the, the mean J word, judgmental, uh, I like to analyze people. One thing I notice is that they, uh, the way people carry on conversations. I don't know this, or I don't notice this very much uh, with people who have been practicing spiritual life for a long time and who are making some advancement on the path. But it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like conversation is kind of like a tennis match. I get to talk for a while. I start talking. And the other person is thinking, while you're talking, I can't wait till you take a breath or, in, or, or something to where I can conveniently get in there and do mine. I mean, you've been talking for two minutes now. You know, I'm waiting for you to do your thing. You know, sometimes they just interrupt. Yeah, not being judgmental. And they start talking, you know, you know, like, oh, you know, the summer, Mary and I are going to, uh, we're going to Vail. 
you know, or wherever we're going to go someplace. The other guy, as soon as he stops talking about where they're going to go, well, Brenda and I were going to Hawaii. So it's like not only do I hit the ball back, but I hit it a little harder than you did. So it's kind of like I'll let it be about you for a while, and then it's going to be about me. So it's kind of like that, you see. Uh, and I guess that's okay, you know, but uh, but it shows that it really is all about us, to us. I want to tell you about me. And I know that I'm going to have to listen to you about you. So I will do that, as long as I get mine in, you know. So, uh, so this causes us some struggle with one another in relationships, because I want you to hear how my day was. I'm willing to listen how your day was, but I think I had a worse day than you, so I want to go first. <laughs> you know? Because I'm thinking about me. Let's say if we took a picture of the room. What a beautiful picture that would be. Bunch of beautiful people. I take a picture of the room, and then we pass the picture around. Who's the first person you're going to look for? <laughs> I know, Sureshwar, right? No, really, it's Mother Sundami. No, you're going to look for the one who's dearest to you, right? You're going to look for good old numero uno. You look for number one. So this is um, a symptom of material consciousness. Materially, I'm interested in me. And I'm a little interested in you, too. And sometimes I'm interested in you because it makes me more interesting to be interested in you. Like if you're suffering, then I say, oh, just see what this guy was doing. So now people are thinking, oh, you're so, you know, you're so... Um, Caring. Huh? Yeah. Compassionate. Yeah, compassionate, you see. So we do things with self-glorification. So, where does this come from? Where did we get this? Well, you could say, well, I learned it from my parents, you know, and they learned it from their parents. But it comes way, 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 way back, like billions and trillions of years ago. Billions and trillions and zillions of, is that a number? Well, if it's not a number, you get my, you're an accountant. Is that a number? Yeah, you know, could be. Yeah. But many, many lifetimes ago, uh, when you first decided to leave the spiritual world and come to the material world, that was your goal. Your goal was to go someplace where it could be all about you. Because in the spiritual world, there's all these glorious entities there. And one of them happens to be the supreme entity. He's really charming, really beautiful, witty, uh, everything. He's, he's so wonderful and so attractive, this Krishna. Uh, that name Krishna means all attractive. And he's so attractive that he is everything to everybody there. 
you see? And it's the same to you too. You feel that same way, but then you get this one little feeling that, well, wouldn't it be great if I were the center of attention? You know, isn't there some way that, I mean, just for a little while, if I could just go and be like the center, you know, because I'm here, all of us innumerable living entities are, we're enamored by this gorgeous Krishna. And I wonder, why can't I be that? You see? Instead of it being all about him, can it be all about me? Maybe just for a little while. Just let me get a taste of that. And so, off you go. You come to the material world in pursuit of that, of it being all about you. Uh, one difficulty is all of the other inhabitants here are here for the same reason. And they want to squeeze the same effect. So I'm here wanting to be all I can be, and I want to capture your attention and be the center. I want to be, uh, I want it to be all about me, and you want it to be all about you. Therein is a little bit of a rub, you see. So then birth after birth, I have to put forth a different face. You know, I'm trying to put forth a persona. I, like a, uh, an artist paints a picture, or a sculptor sculpts a statue. Uh, every life, we, we t try to sculpt a persona that's attractive enough that I can get more and more attention, you see. See, I'm not saying you're a rotten person. That's just the dilemma that we find ourselves in, you see. So to us, from this position of where we are on this earth planet, looking at us and the environment around us, the environment that's given us and that we try to create, it really and truly is all about us, you see. So, uh, what does Krishna say about this? Let's see, what does Krishna have to say? This shows a lot, this verse. Of course, Bhagavad Gita is a book where Krishna, God, Krishna is just another name for God, meaning all-attractive one, but he reveals his personality. Now you can say, wait a minute. Does God have a personality? I thought he was just energy. Like, mm, so, so, or, you know, I thought he was just the, the, the universe. So, but yet, we ask the universe to do things for us, don't we? You know, we put it out to the universe. We see what the universe wants for us. So, we know by saying that, that this higher entity that we may call the universe for now has a personality. It makes decisions. You see, what does the universe have in store for you? It means it has a plan. It has a personality. This entity, this supreme entity, is a partial, 
It has personality, but nothing else. Nothing else. No form. If this personality is unlimited, this entity, it is unlimited personality and unlimited forms, unlimited names. So, uh, therefore, this personality wants to reveal his personality, his supreme personality, to you. He, he, he's not trying to stay incognito. He's not trying to keep it secret. This is not God's aim to stay hidden from you. He tries constantly to all of us, constantly, every day, to get closer to you. He wants you to get um, a whiff of that supreme, lovely aroma. A, just a glance of his beauty and maybe a taste of his loving personality so that someday or other you'll turn back and go back to him, you see. Not try to merge in this or merge in that. No, no, look, transcend beyond that. Well, go back to the supreme personality from which you came. Does that make any sense? Okay, so. Let's get back to Krishna. I've left Krishna hanging here. Hope he doesn't mind. In the uh, 22nd verse of the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, this ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita is entitled The Most Confidential Knowledge. This is confidential knowledge. It's confidential because it's knowledge between God and those who are seeking to find him. So this is knowledge that if you're looking for God, you kind of need to have, okay? Does anybody here not have a Bhagavad Gita? If you do, please raise your hand. Ah, there's one, anybody? There's two, all right. Atul Govinda, you see that they lead with Bhagavad Gita? They're only $25 a piece. <laughs> but if you say the discount code, which is Hare Krishna, today and the day only, we waive the fee. Now, tomorrow, too. So, what does Krishna say? I'll read the Sanskrit first. It's very beautiful. Krishna speaks in Sanskrit. That's where it came from. Ananyas cha. Ananyas chintamantam ye janaha paryupasate kesha nitya vichritanam yoga shema vahamya. This aham means I am. Or I. Krishna says, but those who worship me with exclusive devotion, meditating on my transcendental form, to them, I carry what they lack, and I preserve what they have. Now let's go through that. What is he saying here? But those who always, key word there, always, you know, if you love somebody, if you're in love, you're, you don't go in and out of love depending on what the time of day is. If you do, then you need to recalibrate your loving propensity. You're not in love. When you're in love, you're like infatuated. You know? 
You can't get that object of your love out of your mind, even for a second. Even though you have to work or do something else, it's still there. So Krishna says, those who always worship me with exclusive devotion. Wait a minute. It's like when two people are dating and they get to, they're getting to know each other and they want to take the relationship to the next level. They may discuss being exclusive. Can we be exclusive? That means I want you and I'm not going to date anybody else. And I'd like if you would make that commitment to me too. You see, this is a tightening of the relationship. It's a sweetening. And if two people are in love, this is a very happy, joyous moment. You see, if they're totally in love, they both walk away from this conversation ecstatic. You know, whether on their phones or texting to their friends, guess what? He wants to be exclusive. Hey, she agreed to be exclusive. Wow. So this is a, a milestone in a loving relationship. Krishna is asking for that. He's saying, worship me with exclusive devotion. Don't worship anybody else. Stop dating around. You see, spiritually dating around. That's okay. Again, I'm not judging you. <laughs> but if you want to really get a love affair with the Supreme, then stop spiritually dating around, you see? Find, aim and fire at the target. Don't just, just keep shooting. Try this for a while, but that's dating around. I'll date this one, I'll date that one, then I'll date this, but I don't really get totally serious about anybody. I make no commitments, you see? You get to the point, uh, and if you get close enough to Krishna, you will want to make a commitment. He is that attractive. He's that sweet. Always worship me with exclusive devotion, meditating on my transcendental form. How can you love somebody that you've never seen? You know, you have form. Why doesn't the source of everything also have form? How is it possible that we can have things like personality form and so many things, and yet the source of it all has none of these things? The source of everything has to have everything. Otherwise, everything cannot come from that source. It's not a source if it doesn't have it. So therefore, uh, the Supreme is unlimited. He has unlimited forms while at the same time he can be unmanifest. See? But if you're desiring to share uh, love, sweet love, then he has this form of Krishna, which he says, this is my supreme personality. Why? Because I'm the one that you exchange love with. Not awe and reverence. He has forms that inspire awe and reverence, unapproachable forms. Just respect and keep it at distance. But Krishna has this beautiful form that entices you to run towards him, approach him, embrace him, 
Meditating on my transcendental form. If you'll do this, what a deal. He's going to lay the deal of a lifetime on the table. If you'll do this, I'll carry what you lack. That means I'll give you anything. Now, this is coming from a guy with a really thick wallet. You know? I mean, you talk about resources. The source of everything is deep in resources. So this isn't like, you know, some guy on the street, some guy that, and I'm not judging, <laughs> but some have to do that because people are always ready to get into it. But if you see some guy on the street and he's got a piece of cardboard that says, we'll work for food, and he says, hey, buddy, you know, give me a ride and I'll give you a million dollars. I don't know. He's probably a nice guy. I know he doesn't have a million dollars, but I'll give you a ride anyway. You know, so. But when Krishna says, I'll carry what you lack, that means, whoa, hey, hold on. This, this can really happen. So in other words, you want me to always worship you with exclusive devotion, meditating on your transcendental form. And then you'll give me anything I want? And I'll preserve what they have. I get to keep what I have. I know it's not going to cost me anything. You're not going to take anything. You're going to give me. You see. But this is the deal of uh, of the yuga. This is a heck of a deal. We should take this very seriously. Because we want all kinds of things. What do we want? I want, more than anything, I want supreme ultimate love in my life that I can depend on forever. Krishna says, hey, you got it. Not a problem. I'm the source of love. Some people even say I am love. But I'm not just love. I'm the source of love. You know, I can I can drown you in it. For eternity. What else do you want? I want to feel secure and protected. Nobody can make you feel secure. Nobody can protect you like I can. What else do you need? You see? So, you've heard of making a deal with the devil. This is making a deal with the supreme, beautiful entity, God. This is a contract. He's put it in writing. You know? I'll do this. This is all I'm asking. In other words, I want, I want it to be all about me to you. Put me in there. Make it all about me. Because you've always been to me. It's always been all about you. Krishna loves you that much. It's about you. To him. For him looking down, it's all about you. He wants you to make it all about him. Therefore, you have that really important ingredient in love, in a loving relationship. Reciprocation. It makes it beautiful. Krishna, it's all about you. And Krishna says, no, it's all about you. You see? So, um, it's very beautiful. When you get your Bhagavad Gita, read it, you know? 
you'll be amazed. Uh, big names all through history have studied Bhagavad Gita. Big. Wherever you find some big, big person, you'll see Bhagavad Gita somewhere. Uh, Albert Einstein read it every day. Um, Emerson, Thoreau, on and on. So many uh, studied this wisdom. This is Gita wisdom. So let me pause and see, is there, are there any questions or comments? Or criticisms? You can criticize. I don't care. I've got really thick skin. Yes? One of the reasons that we're asked to read the Bhagavad Gita through the Prabhupada is it's as it is. And it's really great because it has Sanskrit, it's got, the, it's got everything from the original. And I have seen, like, I've been in Bookman's and I think we're talking about Gita, and it literally is like a story. Like, it's, it's I, I saw one from uh, some famous author who had just sort of written over it. But if you could expand a little more on, you know, what was the difference between what Einstein might have looked at and just talk about a little more of how important the Bhagavad Gita has it is. Good question. Uh, folks like Einstein and Thoreau, they were before Prabhupada's uh, edition of Bhagavad Gita. Many people, I mean, this book was, th these words were spoken by Krishna over 5,000 years ago. It's become the most famous book in the history of this planet, you see. So it's been uh, translated into many languages, but from those who have translated it into English, many of them didn't understand to begin with. Uh, many of them already had some uh, preconceived notion about God. Like he is this or he's that, whatever. So they didn't know. So even though Einstein and Thoreau and Emerson and folks like that weren't getting the purified Gita that Prabhupada gave the world, there still is enough truth here to fully enliven you. Fully enliven you. Prabhupada made it a lot easier for us, you see. He made it actually Bhagavad Gita as it is. And uh, Sanskrit professors around the world have acclaimed, yes, you have translated this Bhagavad Gita as it truly is, without any political spin, you know, or without some uh, whatever spin, no spin on it. It's just as it is. And you can see when you read Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada's not trying to get you to do anything except learn to love God. He's not saying, give me money, come do this. No, no, just you, for your benefit, learn to love God. It's the object of all bona fide religions, is to learn to love God, you see. So, excellent question. You know, Prabhupada was very, uh, very much empowered to give the Bhagavad Gita as it really is. Great question. Anybody else? Yes? Just a comment. 
kind of along that same vein, you know, like you said, there's been so many translations of Bhagavad Gita and so many people have read it, but actually who has become a devotee of Krishna, except after Prabhupada came, and then thousands of well, That's a strong point. So many people uh, read the Bhagavad Gita, and they gleaned a lot of intelligence, peace. Uh, was, I think it was Emerson who said he just can't start the day without bathing his mind in Bhagavad Gita, you see. So they, they got a lot from it, but they didn't necessarily connect in a loving relationship with the Supreme. There wasn't enough in the translation to inspire them to become devoted and to be like Krishna says in this verse, worship me exclusively. I mean, just what an invitation Krishna is. He's holding his hand out, you know. Come, think of me always, be exclusive with me. I'll provide whatever you need, you see. Just stay uh, my lover. Just stay that way. It's all I want. In other words, I want you to go back to the way, to the consciousness that you had for eternity before you came here, before you become embodied. So Prabhupada was empowered to translate Krishna's words in such a way that when the reader digests what's being said, that you're inspired to become the devotee of Krishna. When I read Bhagavad Gita in 1973, I was sold. So I was sold, really, on the introduction. Prabhupada had me sold. But I had to go through. I went to a very isolated place out in the, in the mountains. I mean, I knew places in the mountains that you wouldn't even think there were places. And I got out there way by myself and read it. And then I read it again. And then I read it again. And then... When I came out of the mountains, I was a completely changed person. And I've been reading it again and again and again for 46 something, something like that, 47 years. See? It's one of those books that you just can't put down. It doesn't get old. It's that sweet. Prabhupada was able to give you Krishna's words as they are. And so this a lot of people, when they read Bhagavad Gita, they say, I feel like it's talking to me. It is. Krishna is. Bhagavad Gita means Bhagavan. Bhagavan means God, one who has all opulences. And Gita means song. It's the song of God. You see? So when you read Bhagavad Gita, God is singing to you. What's he singing? A love song. Please become, become my eternal lover. I love you for eternity. I just want you to put me in the center. I want it to be all about me. He's already doing his end. To him, it's already all about you. So if you want to be with somebody that's, that to them it's all about you, then go associate with Krishna. Now, all glories to Srila Prabhupada.